0: Good morning New Life. It's a beautiful day today, isn't it? We're so glad to have you here with us today. Um, if you don't know me, my name is Michelle Brown and I am the director of Kid Zone on the Road here at New Life. We're changing things up a little bit again today. We're going to do our three-ish things right here at the very beginning. So if you're ready,
1: take it away. Well, thank you Michelle. Uh, I'm glad that you called us to order uh, because I was busy talking, which is great. Uh, so it's good to be here this morning and to share with you. My name is Scott Hemoway, I'm one of the pastors here, and I have the first of my three-ish things that we're going to talk about, which is brew life. Uh, we let you know that we are changing things up with brew life. This is the last Sunday to get your $2 latte. So if you, uh, you want to jump in there and get your $2 latte, it's going to go, oh, look at that. Uh, fantastic! It's going to uh, it's going to it's going to bump up next week, uh, just to uh, catch things up. And you can get your drink cards if you'd like. I think if you go uh, like ten coffees, you get one free, so uh, that's great. And in our our uh, bag, our pound bags are going to be back next week as well for you to purchase. So that all goes to help our miss- ministry and a cool that we're partnering with Food for the Hungry.
0: All right, so our second is the House of Grace Fashion Show Fundraiser. That is going to be March 25th from 1 to 4, right here at New Life. And all the proceeds are going to go to the House of Grace Pregnancy Center. So we're not organizing the event, but we're thrilled to get to host it, and we want to invite you to it. There's going to be a silent auction, as well as a large selection of gently used clothes for sale. And of course, the highlight of the day is the fashion show. Tickets can be bought online or at the door for $20. And you can invite your friends and neighbors and help support this vital ministry in our community. So that's number two. Number three, crafts and coffee. A new ministry for women who enjoy artistic or crafty pursuits. They're gonna be meeting here the second and fourth Monday of each month in the chapel from 1 to 3.30. So bring your own project and enjoy a devotional and the company of other women. Um, Information is available on our events page, on the website, or you can contact Marita for more info.
1: Hey, I think I know there's going to be tea too, so those here who are not, you know, coffee drinkers and your tea, we will offer tea. The last of our three-ish things is uh, this is not a good picture. There's a story why it's not a good picture, but... It will serve the purpose this morning. This is the crew that went walking for the coldest night of the year. We've been promoting that. And it was uh, lots of fun. Uh ann and I were going back and forth. Actually, there's several people going back and forth to taking the lead for our team who is raising more money. leigh ann won in the end. Yeah. but. Our team, for the second year in a row, we raised more money than any of the other teams in the Valley, so we raised, uh, you all helped us raise $7,000, which is fantastic. (laughs) And that went in the larger pot of close to $80,000 to help those the, uh, the youth in our community who do not have homes for that project. So it's an ongoing project of, of building that and, and making that happen here in the valley. So thank you very much for, for being part of that. And um, and I sit as the, as the chair of the board for the Canadian Mental Health, and it's just a great opportunity for us to be connected in our valley with that. So that's our three-ish things this morning. We are so glad you are here. And I'm going to turn it over to Megan, and she's going to lead us in some worship. My
2: name is Alana, and I am one of the pastors on staff here. And I get the privilege again this week of um, introducing you to another one of our staff members as we go through our community stories and we share testimonies about what is happening in our life together. Isaac, if you're in the room... Would you join me? Thank you. There you are. I was going to say, this is going to be really awkward if you're not here. (laughs) One of my favorite things about staff is we have six generations covered on staff. Um, I won't name them all. But Isaac is holding down the teens for us um, as our our youth intern. And it's fun. I don't know if he feels like he has a whole bunch of big sisters and brothers and maybe some moms and dads in the group as we all. Grandmas? Grandmas? Really? Okay. You might want to grab a microphone. It's right there behind me. Um, So, yeah, so it's just I want to introduce to you this morning, Isaac, our intern. Of course, most of you will have seen him around and know he is, but we're just going to share a little bit about what you do and some things that God's doing in your life and all those good things. So why don't we start, Isaac, with what do you do here at New Life?
3: All right, so I am the youth intern, but most people don't really know what that means. Um, I run or I help run the youth ministries. And we have three ministries. We have first one on Tuesday, which is um, our senior high and junior high, which are grades 8 to 12. And what a basic night of youth group is. They come in. We um, do a big game the first, like, we do one big game at the first, like, day of the month. Um, and it's huge, and it's awesome, and it's, like, 45 minutes. We play, like, Hunger Games or some huge running around game. It's it's awesome, it's a lot of fun. Uh, and then uh, we have the first day of the month, we have one of our leaders come up and deliver their testimony, which is awesome. And then we have one of our students come up and deliver their testimony. And the first day of the month is kind of like my favorite day because we get to do huge games and I get to see God working in our students and in our leaders and it's, it's super cool. Then we have small group and snacks and stuff and my job for that night is I have a small group that I lead, they're grade eights. I think some of them are here. Cohen's over there and hey, Cohen, Josh is over there. Josh, yeah, they're awesome. They're super cool. Um, so part of my job is running one of those small groups and I'm also put in charge of running the the game because Alicia is great and she's awesome relationally but game we played Pictionary like 10 times last year <laughs> and so when I when I became youth intern I came up and I was like never again will we pay, play Pictionary um, and so part of my job is figuring out the game for that week and it's it's super cool uh, our second ministry is our preteens and it actually feeds kind of into our third ministry which is deeper um, now, Deeper is our leadership training program uh, in which we take young leaders, young minds, and they come and they get to develop leadership qualities by running our preteens, which I think is a phenomenal program. And on, it happens on Wednesdays, and it's grades five to, um, I think, seven? Yes, seven. Uh, five to seven. On those days, me and Alicia, we just get to come in. And we give them all jobs and then we just lean back and we just watch them do what they do. We have one of them doing a teach. We have one of them doing snack, registration, doing the games. And we just get to watch them do it. And we help out where we can. Uh, but sometimes we just let them sit in their awkward mess that they've made with the game. And it's, it's really fun. It's, it's awesome. Uh, it's something I've had to learn to just step back. Because I really like doing games. And sometimes the games don't work. But I just have to sit back and just let them do it. Because that's how I learned how to do games. Um, but yeah, that's that's it's really good., uh, one of my jobs for pre-teens and for deeper, is coming up with the curriculum for the teachings that they do. Right now, we're actually going through the whole Bible. Uh, I think we're on, the next one will be Jesus. We actually went from Genesis into the Gospels. Um, So that has been a lot of fun. Uh, I also do the youth email every um, Thursday. I write it up. It actually comes, I pre-do it, so it comes out today. And there's actually Easter eggs in it, if if you look around in the youth email, it's just giving you that, just go look in the youth emails. Um, there's little Easter eggs for you. Um, but yeah, that's what I do. That's
2: good, thank you. Um, and you work here 15 hours a week. Oh yeah. But there's a, another component to your internship.
3: Oh, um, that's right. Tell us that's about right. that. Um, so another component to my internship is I am going to school uh, through a program called the Youth Coalition. Uh, Now the Youth Coalition uh, is a really cool program. It pairs churches with Bible schools. And so I get to work here physically but I'm doing online Bible school at the same time. Because they're finding that people are coming out of Bible school with no experience, actually, in a church. And so they come in with all this information in their head, but they don't really know how to interact with people or how the church works. Or they're finding that people are working in churches with no actual education Um, And so this program kind of like merges the two of them. And so that is what I'm doing right now. I'm making a ministry handbook for my school. (laughs) And my next, I do classes every three months in person. But most of them are online. That's
2: great. Yeah, so it's exciting to be able to partner in that way. Um, Yeah, giving Isaac experience and you hit the nail on the head as leaders. Sometimes we have to let the young ones make mistakes, right? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I just bugged you. (laughs) <laughs> it's good. Um, you talked about getting to see how God is working in the kids' lives. Um, tell us a story about where you've seen God at work.
3: Okay, I have two stories. One's a funny story, no really God working, but it's funny. And then I have another story where God is working. Can I tell? Can I tell the funny story? Okay, we'll we'll see if we have time at the end. we'll we'll do the not funny story. Um, so. <laughs> So I haven't been officially working here for, like, four years, but I've been volunteering with the youth group, and I was part of Deeper. And so the small group that I have right now, Josh and Cohen over there, um, I have been with them for four to three years, and I have got to see them grow up from, like, yay high to, like, almost as tall as me. And so this year, it's been awesome just getting to know them and seeing God working in their lives, and I'm super, super proud of them. Um, one of them the other day came up to me, not one of these two, I, I can't name names, but one of them came up to me the other day and was like, Isaac, I've really been learning a lot, and I, I really see that sometimes my actions affect others. And I was like, wow. And I was just so proud, because I was like, I have been with you forever, and you finally realized this. <laughs> um but yeah it's it's been really cool. My favorite time of the week is getting together in small group and just hearing about their life and just bonding with them. um It's really cool seeing how God is working in all of them. Um, but yeah, also one of my favorite things is whenever it's their birthday, we take them and we see how far we can throw them in the air while, while singing a happy birthday. I love that. <laughs>
2: That's good. Good. And how, how has God been changing your life uh, in this season? Um, okay.
3: How has God been changing my life in this season? Um, I think right now in my life, God has just been revealing to me that there are things that I do and habits that I have in my life that don't point me towards him. Um, and I, I'm going through the Old Testament right now and I'm reading about the Israelites. And the Israelites, they have a habit. They like, they love to worship other gods sometimes. And whenever that happens in the Bible, I'm I'm always like, well, what the heck? (laughs) Like, how how dumb can you be? Like, you've done this like a million times. It never works out. Like, you are abandoning God, the spring of life, and just digging your own wells that hold no water. Uh, And then I like step back, I'm like, wait a minute. That's me. (laughs) I do that all the time. Uh, I'm I'm going through Jeremiah, and Jeremiah says that my people have done two great evils. They have abandoned the spring of life and they've dug their own wells, which hold no water. And so there are so many habits and so many wells in my life that I go to, and I'm like, this holds water. This will satisfy me. Even though I know that I've gone to this well before, and there's been no water, I still go to it, and I dig it, and I'm like, oh, there's no water here. And then I go away, and then it still calls out, and I go again, and there's no water. Uh, And it's come to a point where God is teaching me that he is the only well that will satisfy me, that Jesus is the living water that quenches my soul. Um, So yeah, it's God pointing out habits Mm -hmm. and saying, you need to get rid of these.
2: That's really good. Thanks for sharing that. Do you want to tell your funny story or do you want I to want do to the five story. rapid questions? Oh. It's one or the other. Oh, dang. I know.
3: What do you guys want? Do you want funny story?
2: They want the story.
3: Story? Okay, okay, okay. So the other day, <laughs> I was sitting on that couch over there and one of our leaders, it was during preteens, one of our leaders came up and was like, Isaac, I have a kid that can't eat anything. And I was like, what, he can't eat anything, we tried all the gluten-free and all the, all the stuff, we, uh, he, he can't eat it, I'm like, what? And so I, I go over, he leads me to his group, and I meet the kid, and he's like, well, I can't eat this, 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 and just list off all of his fingers of all the things he can't eat. But then, he grabs one of the gluten cookies, and he holds it up to his mouth, and he's like, I'm gonna do it, Isaac, I'm gonna eat it. I'm like, no, but you just said you can't eat that, he's like, but I'm gonna do it anyways. And he like opens his mouth and he's like threatening me and then we're like, no, no, please And like everyone's like silent We're all like trying to get this kid not to eat this gluten cookie and then he pops it in his mouth And then but apparently turns out he can eat a little bit of gluten But we didn't know that and he starts he like he swallows it down the wrong pipe So he starts choking on this cookie and so we all think that this kid's just dying (laughs) It was all fine in the end we got him some water, but for that split second we all were just terrified
2: <laughs> just another night in youth ministry great thank you so much Isaac we appreciate you and everything you do have a seat
4: good morning um, we have been going through a series on Invitation to a Journey. And before I jump into um, what I'm about to talk about, I'm actually wrapping us up. I'm the last, the last Sunday morning in this. So thank you, Scott, for letting me have this. Um, but yeah, before we jump in, I just want to look back at where we started in the fall, uh, in September in this. And so Scott opened up with this, Jesus invites us to come and follow him. And we looked at that in Matthew 4, verse 9. And, and that this was an invitation to step into this journey with Jesus and that this was a process, that this process is constantly happening and it's not a one and done, but it's this, this uh, formation that happens within our heart. And Scott uses this quote from Robert Muholland that says, spiritual formation is the process of being formed into the image of Christ for the sake of others. So again, it's this process that we are being formed into Christ's image, not our own, and not for our sake, but for the sake of others. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and then love others. That's what that's about. And then he went into abide. Uh, Scott brought us into what it looks like to abide in Jesus. Jesus invites us to abide in him. And we looked at that in John 15, where Jesus is the, branch, Jesus is the vine and we are the branches, and that we may, must remain in him, abiding in him. And so that God is constantly working in our heart. Like I said, it's not a one and done, but this constant process where we are being formed into the image of Christ. And it's now brought us to this point of doing as Jesus does. So I'm going to pray And we're going to jump in. Lord, I thank you um, that I can be up here. I pray that I am just aware of your presence, being sensitive to your spirit's leading. Um, Yeah. May the words that need to be said be said. And what doesn't just take it away. In your name, amen. In the summer-fall of 2021... In my quiet time, I was journeying through the prison epistles and then eventually going to the book of James. And through that, I constantly saw this theme of joy and suffering. Um, It was just all throughout there. And the two, how they go hand in hand. Uh, Until I came, and just like sitting with that, thinking through. And then I came to the verse in James Where it says, your brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Or other versions, brothers and sisters, sisters, consider it great um, suffering, consider it great joy to suffer in the name of Christ. I'm like, man, suffering, hmm. I actually, in that moment, in that time for me, I had no suffering. I had no troubles. Um, both my husband and I and my kids, we were healthy, we were happy, we had really good jobs, um, in fact we just finished our first summer at, like, first summer when my husband wasn't working at a summer camp, so if you know, summer camps are pretty busy and it was incredible, like we went camping and we kept forgetting that he was with us because normally we do that without him and we're like, oh yeah, Steve, we, we left him at the campsite and we're at the beach. It, it, was, it happened a lot, unfortunately. But it was great because he was with us. So that summer and fall, I read that verse and it had me stop. And I'm like, I'm not suffering. Is that okay? Actually, it was even to the point of like, I had no stress. Normally there's like little stresses that we all deal with. I had nothing. And I'm like, God, there is literally nothing in my life right now where there is Stress. And I see it constantly here while reading these prison epistles and James. And so, had me pause. And when I like sit and contemplate something, I tend to like journal about it a lot. I talk about it with Steve and other people. And and I came to this and I wrote this in my journal. I said, God, there is no troubles. There's no suffering in my life right now. In fact, I'm overwhelmed with rest and filled with peace. I thank you for this season. So if this is a season of rest, may it also be a season of preparedness. Prepare my heart for what is to come. Prepare my heart for what you have in store because I want you to be my anchor, not what this world has to offer. Now, I wouldn't consider myself an optimist or a pessimist. I like to say I'm an optimist living a pessimist reality. Um, so when you pray your prayer like that, you know that something's coming. Just like you don't want to pray for patience because <laughs> how else will you practice that skill? Well, November 9th, 2021, my grandfather passed away. He was 72 years young, and it sucked. He was my grandmother's primary caregiver, so she ended up in the hospital. Um, And they lived up north, so my parents went up north to, to tell her that her husband had died. And in that same time, I'm not sure if you're aware, November 2021, that's when the big mudslides happened. So my parents actually got stuck up there. But thankfully, we were able to move my grandmother to the island, um, and we were working at trying to get her into a home. And then January 7th, 2022, Steve and I received a phone call. His grandmother actually died. Suddenly and unexpectedly, we were in shock. The doctor was in shock. The doctor didn't believe the nurses when they called. So we went to the hospital to be with my in-laws and just sit with them. 48 hours later, I get a call. My grandma, it was time to say goodbye. So me and my sister go to Victoria to be with her, and at 2 in the morning, I was holding her hand as she took her last breath on January 10th. She had now passed. And January 13th, Thursday, I was upstairs with my mom, and she just started crying. And we hold each other, and she manages to say, I don't know how much more I can take. And I thought she was just talking about the the two deaths, but she wasn't. My uncle was diagnosed with terminal cancer. And then the next day, I was at work, Um, And I actually missed a phone call. Christy got it for me. But my daughter's school had called and said she'd fallen at school and she probably needs to go to the hospital. And I was driving to go get her at École-Pravot and the roundabout at the bottom of lakes. I remember sitting in my car and being like, God, I don't know if I can take any more of this. This is hard but I know you are good. Every time I drive that roundabout, still to this day, all of those emotions come back. I feel it deeply. Well, my daughter needed surgery. She'd broken her elbow so bad that actually if we didn't get it seen as soon as we did, it was cutting off the circulation to the rest of her arm. She could have lost that. If you didn't add that up, that was seven days. I call that Hell Week. I just celebrated its anniversary. And my suffering wasn't over. February, I got sick from COVID really bad. I actually ended up in the hospital. March, there was the memorials of the grandparents, which bring up all that grief again, but also family drama. And then April 25th, my uncle died, not because of cancer, but because of what the cancer treatments had done on the toll of his heart but the final blow was my great uncle. He was like grandpa taught to me. He taught me to drive. He was at like huge parts in my life, those moments that just matter, and the little ones as well. He was a strong man, and he died. So if you were adding up, that was five deaths in six months. And that's not counting the average stress that happens within that time frame. I just had a crash course in grief, and I didn't want it. When I prayed that prayer, God prepare my heart, this is not what I expected. Maybe a job loss. Uh, we're just coming out COVID. Maybe a sickness, but nothing serious. Possibly one death. But not five. Lament became a fluent language to me. I understood grief in a whole new way, and I journaled. My journal entries were cries, it was anger, it was hurt, it was confusion, and sometimes complete emptiness, because I didn't know what to write. And I kept coming back to this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. I asked, God, you tell me to love you with all my heart and all my soul and all my mind and my strength. But my heart is battered right now. My soul is empty. My mind is fogged. What strength? The tears have taken the rest. How am I to love you? God was gracious in his response. Open with me, if you have your Bibles, Psalms 31. I was journeying through Psalms at this point, and I'd come to this chapter at this time, and I'm starting at verse seven. It is up on the screen if you need. It says, I will be glad and rejoice in your unfailing love, for you have seen my troubles And you care about the anguish of my soul. You have not handed me over to my enemies, but you have set me in a safe place. Have mercy on me, Lord, for I am in distress. Tears blur my eyes. My body and soul are withering away. I am dying from grief. My years are shortened by sadness. Sin has drained my strength. I am wasting away from within. And jumping to 14. But I am trusting you, God. O Lord, saying, you are my God, my future is in your hands. Rescue me from those who hunt me down relentlessly. And that piece in verse 17, for I call out to you and help. My world was rocked. And something in the Bible knew exactly how I felt. How did I miss this? I have done the challenges growing up of read the Bible in 365 days, like the whole from front to fit back, all of it, and I I missed this. David was considered a man after God's own heart, which meant, and he lamented, which meant he grieved a lot, and in fact. In the book of Psalm, over half of these psalms are laments. And he was considered a man after God's own heart, and he lamented. But he's not the only one in the Bible. Job, he had much suffering, more suffering than one could take in a lifetime, let alone two. My son is waving to me at the back. Jeremiah is known as the weeping prophet. He has a book called Lamentations. But that's not it. We also have Jesus. This whole series we're talking about do as Jesus did. So how did Jesus lament? How did he grieve? I'm not sure if you guys remember, um, in the 90s, some of you weren't even alive, which is all the youth that I work with. Um, there was these bracelets that came out that had these four letters on them. W-W-J-D. Who remembers them? Yeah. What would Jesus do? And you'd wear these bracelets. And the more bracelets and the more colors, I think, made you a little cooler. At least in my mind, it was. I remember one time, I think they were, like, going all the way up to my elbow. I wasn't sure if I could bend my arm. But we had these. And, And every time, like, I see those letters, I can't, like... I always hear, what would Jesus do? And they may not even be next to each other in that purpose. But in all honesty, I don't think I actually understood what that meant. I wanted to think I did. It's only recently that I actually want to live it out. So what did Jesus do? How did he grieve? How did he lament And if I want to abide in him and do as he did, I want to change my life so that I'm no longer asking that question, but it's actually a way of life for me. So we're going to look at how Jesus grieved, which is in Matthew 26. Verse 36, and while you guys are getting there, I'm just gonna give a little backstory of what just happened. What happened, Jesus just had a Passover meal with his disciples, also known as the Last Supper. And, and in that time, he had these big teaches. They're called um, the Upper Room Discourse. That's found in John 15, where he teaches some deep theology stuff. But he also then also shares that somebody's gonna betray him And that one of his closest friends is going to deny him. And then they're heading out to go to the garden of Gethsemane to pray, which they did often. And so that's where our story picks up. Then Jesus went with them to the olive grove called Gethsemane and said, sit here while I go over there to pray. And he took Peter and Zebedee's two sons, James and John. Listen. And he became anguished and distressed. He told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. He went on a little further and bowed with his face to the ground and prayed, my father, is it possible to let this cup of suffering be taken away from me? Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Then he returned to the disciples and found them asleep. And he said to Peter, Couldn't you watch with me even one hour? Keep watch and pray so that you will not give in to temptations, for the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Then Jesus left them a second time and prayed, My Father, if this cup cannot be taken away unless I drink it, your will be done. And when he returned to them again, he found them sleeping, for they couldn't keep their eyes open. So he went to pray a third time, saying the same things again. Then he came to the disciples and said, Go ahead and sleep. Have your rest. But look, the time has come, and the Son of Man will be betrayed into the hands of sinners. Up, let's be going. Look, my betrayer is here. My soul is crushed to the point of death. I think he understood what David was writing about. I think he knew when David said, tears blur my vision. I'm anguished. They have shortened my life. There's this book that um, I read and I'm rereading uh, called The Emotionally Healthy Disciple. We may or may not have talked about it a few times, but Peter Sisgaro has this whole chapter actually dedicated to grief and loss. And he says this, From Genesis to Revelation, the scripture invites us to integrate seasons of grief and sadness as a central aspect of the spiritual life. To reject these seasons is to live only half of a life and to live a spirituality marked by unreality. What? To live half a life. And then he goes on to say, these, he believes, are God's three phases of grief. The first is to pay attention to the grief. The second is to wait in the confusing in between. And the third is to allow the old to birth the new. My season of grief, actually my crash course in grief, was hard. And, And those of you who've experienced grief like me can probably deeply relate to my story. And those who haven't, I'm sure you're like, man, that's hard. You can recognize that that was hard. And then to read this about Jesus tells me that when I wore that what would Jesus do bracelet, I had no idea. I had no idea what that looked like. But I think I'm beginning to understand I wouldn't change it. So we're going to look at this passage, and I have four things that I've observed that Jesus did. That, that we're just going to, yeah, hopefully you can take something from this. That first is Jesus felt deep emotions. he became anguished and distressed. Yep, I think he felt it deeply. (laughs) Like what I said, David, when he wrote that psalm. See, Jesus was paying attention to his grief when he felt those deep emotions, when he felt anguished and distressed. But see, there's something that he did in that paying attention to his grief that is so valuable. And that brings me to the second point. Jesus shared his grief. He felt anguished and distressed, but then he told them, my soul is crushed. Stay here with me. Keep watch with me. He wasn't going to sit in that grief and not let anyone see. He wanted, he invited them into that grief. His trusted few, he invited them to be with him. See, when I went through that grief, my instinct was to shut down, to deal with it on my own, to push people away, to just, when people ask me, like, oh, it's just a season, and seasons passed, and God is good. Maybe it was a bit of my upbringing, a little bit of what society had told me that, you know what, if you want to be a good leader, emotions don't belong. They need to be out of this area. So when I was feeling these deep emotions, I thought, this isn't okay, I shouldn't be feeling this. But I was wrong. And I needed to bring people in. Invite them to sit with me in this. So when I prayed, prepare my heart, God was gracious. He showed me how to grieve with the psalm of lament. He showed me that his word is not without grief, but full of it. He showed me that his son grieved. And he showed me how to grieve with people. So when those tears came, I let them. When I felt it in my body, I didn't stop it. I didn't push it away. I let it come. When my kids would ask, I wouldn't shy away from it. I'd answer it. And I'd even share with strangers. It was one time I was having a conversation with one of Millie's friends, her, parents, uh, her friend's parents, the first time ever meeting them. And I started crying because of something they said. I shared. And they're like, man, I'm so sorry. The third thing I observed is that Jesus lamented with surrender. This is what Peter, Pete Scazzaro would say, waiting in the confusing in between. Three times he went to his father and saying, I don't want this, take it. That's what I was saying. I don't want this. Take it. But he said, your will be done. I really like how Mark recorded Jesus' response in this. It's in Mark 14. He says, verse 36, Abba, Father. Abba, Father. Everything is possible for you. Please take this cup of suffering away from me, yet I want your will to be done. See, that Abba Father, actually, Abba, has some deep meaning. It's not only two meanings. The first is this deep relationship that somebody has with their father. It's not a disconnected relationship. It's a deep relationship. The second is this deep reverence and obedience for their father. So when Jesus says, Abba, Father, he's coming from this place of God, I know you and you know me so well. I love you, but also I will do what you want. He lamented with surrender, yet I want your will to be done, not mine. So when we can look at this and how do we lament, we can, we can pay attention to what we're feeling, pay attention to our heart and our soul, know what's going on and being honest, but bringing it to God. My question was, how do I love you, God, with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength when I am so broken? What would Jesus do? He lamented and not softly. Uh, Beginning of this month, my family and I went to Disney for a weekend. It was my favorite. We flew it on a Friday and we came back on a Monday. I didn't want to do more. But our purpose in doing it that way was to do it slow, uh, to be curious and explore and not rush and race. And so we did. It was wonderful. We didn't do all the rides. Um, but we, I came back from Disney rested, so I'm not sure if many can say that, because we did it slow, but there was one moment where there is a, uh, a little regret. My son, White Eli, desperately wanted to ride the monorail, and he kept asking, can we ride, can we ride, and every um, time he would ask, we'd either be in line, or finally sitting down eating food we nowhere near the, the lineup, the entrance to go on the monorail. So we'd always say later, which I think is a classic parent move and say no. I, yeah, later, 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 in hopes that they forget. But really my intention was to ride it later. And it was the second day, Sunday night, and we were in California. So the other side, you had to get on in Disney side. And Disney Park, Disney side, closed at eight o'clock and we didn't find that out until late in the game and we'd forgotten all about the monorail and so we're standing in line and I hear it coming and it's 8 12 now and I'm like oh shoot uh, and a part of me just dropped and I'm like oh please god I hope he doesn't hear it maybe he won't remember but if you're a parent you know no kid re- forgets they always remember and sure enough he's like mama Can we go on the monorail? And I looked at him, and my heart dropped. I'm like, sorry, buddy. It's closed. We can't go on it. And he didn't throw a fit. He didn't go down kicking and screaming. He didn't, like, yell or get mad. He just cried this, like, most heartbreaking He dropped his head in his shoulders, and he began to cry. My seven-year-old's heart was broken. He was grieving. Grief looks different, and it happens different in so many ways. It doesn't have to be just the death of a family member. Grief can be the miscarriages or the infertility. Grief could be the life you wanted but ended up with instead. Grief can be the body that you thought would last you but is giving out on you. Grief can be the broken relationships with children, parents, friends, siblings. Grief can be the dream job that has now burnt you out. Or in my son's case, grief was... Not going on the monorail. They are big and little. So, in that moment, I had two options with my son. The first was to say, Well, sorry, dude, life ain't fair. I don't need to teach him that. Life already teaches him that one. The second was to step into his grief. His tears was my invitation. So, I did. We paid attention to the grief. We talked about what his body was feeling, what his heart was saying, what his soul was feeling. We lamented. We talked about how it would have been so good to go on that ride and how we are so sad that it's not happening and what it would have looked like or what it would have been. And then we sat in that confusing in between. Would this ever happen? this brings me to my fourth point sorry you can get me a glass of water Scott thanks (coughs) this fourth point starts in this passage hence the ish on there if you noticed It starts in this passage and ends in the next. And it is Jesus allowed the old to birth the new Thanks. In verse 46, he says, up, let's be going. And then it goes into the next passage, which is actually in chapter 28. So flip ahead. Verse 1 to 4. Early on Sunday morning, as the new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out to visit the tomb. Suddenly, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, rolled aside the stone, and sat on it. His face shone like lightning, and his clothing was as white as snow. The guards shook with fear when they saw him, and they fell into a dead faint here it is. Then the angel spoke to the woman, don't be afraid. He said, I know you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He isn't here. He has risen from the dead just as he said would happen. Come and see where his body is laying. Jesus' birth allowed the old to birth the new. When he said, your will, not mine, he sat with that grief. See, Jesus, in his grief, he paid attention to the pain. He said, my soul is crushed with grief. Jesus waited in that confusing in between by saying, Abba, Father, your will, not mine. And he allowed the old to birth the new. He has risen from the dead, just as he said it would happen. See, as simple as the monorail may have seemed for my son, it was still grief. And I'm thankful I got to walk that with him. In my six-month crash course, as I'd like to say, and even the time after it, this is the thing I've learned, or my conclusion, I would say, is we do not make room for grief in our life. Actually, most of us probably don't even know how to grieve. So when something does happen, we don't know what to do. So when a family member dies, we just rush quickly and planning the funeral, making sure everyone knows what they have to do, where to put the body, all of that, we rush through it. We don't make time for it. So if we can't make time for these big things, what about the little things? Because they are happening every day. And those little things add up. We are only living half of our life. It makes sense that one day you just can't handle it anymore. You can't take it because that grief has piled up. Those little griefs. And you've now hit that breaking point. You look at your life and you ask, how did I get here? Well, did you grieve that job loss, really? Did you grieve the move? Did you grieve that broken relationship with your friend? Did you create the space for that, where you paying attention to the pain? Maybe you're in it right now or maybe you've journeyed through something. These are some things, these are some questions um, to ask yourself as you go through lament, as you grieve. What is my heart saying? Am I angry? Am I getting more angry easily? Am I feeling really sad and I can't explain it? Am I hurt? Do things hurt me more easily? What is my heart saying? Those emotions. How does my soul feel? Are you empty? Are you anguished? Are you in despair? Those are the deep words that connects into your soul. What are the thoughts in your head? Am I worthless? I am broken. How does your body feel? Guys, your body tells you so much. Are you fidgeting more? Do you bounce your legs? Are you fidgeting if you're at the wedding ring? Do you feel your body tensing up? Or you're like, oh, I'm just so sore, but you didn't do anything. These are all things that are telling you what is going on. So when God says, love me with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, right there. Are you doing it? Are you doing as Jesus did? Are you abiding in him? You have been invited to grieve, big and little, invited to lament. If Jesus did it, we sure should do it. I'm not better than him. I'm going to close this in prayer and invite the band back up. And as they come up, I actually also want to open the front for prayer. And so if you feel that there is something within your heart, there is something that you are not releasing or you need help in this grieving, please come forward. I will be here. Scott will be here. Alana, we would love to pray with you. And if you want to be able to know how to take this practice home, the practice of lament, there are papers at the info desk for you to be able to take this on your own. And I encourage you to also bring people in in this. Or if a way of going in this, of lamenting with Jesus, there's communion as well. Take communion with him. He is here. And don't push it aside. Because there is grief in our life every day. Lord, thank you. Thank you, that you show us that we can grieve, that we can lament with you. God, I just pray that we just bring it, bring our hearts, all of us, our soul, body, and mind to you as broken as we feel. Be
2: with us in your name. Amen.